Américas live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar for what is episode 118 of this show. And Herc, as I, as I look at you across the country here on Football Américas, I see somebody who looks a little more haggard, a little more tired than usual. Now, I, I would normally just suggest as well, you're the only one of the two of us that's over the age of 40. You're naturally more tired. But I think today it's because you were up late celebrating your beloved Sounders. I was up late, not celebrating. I got kids, Seb. <laughs> I got kids. It's the only thing you can hold over me. You get more sleep than I do. That's okay. Mm. I'm still better looking. So. Wow. Okay. The first lie of the day, then uh, 38 <laughs> seconds into this episode of Football America. Speaking of, we got a lot coming up, jam-packed into this show, which, of course, you can catch in podcast form as well. We got a two-for-one interview. Javier Chicharito Hernandez and Jerdan Shakiri, LA Galaxy, Chicago Fire playing on the weekend. We brought everybody together, so that should be a lot of fun later in the show. Julie Foudy is going to join us as well with the latest on the U.S. Women's National Team. Of course, they ran roughshod over Uzbekistan a couple times in the last week or so. Big news in Liga MX. Chivas needs a new manager. Marcelo Michel Leano is out as of this morning, mm. so we will react to that breaking news. But, Herc, we got to start in the CONCACAF Champions League. CCL fevers everywhere. Second leg of the semis this week. On Wednesday, New York City and Seattle played in the second leg, of course, as one would expect, at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Game finished in a 1-1 draw, which is good enough for Seattle to advance 4-2 on aggregate. On Tuesday, Pumas and Cruz Azul played to a scoreless draw at the Estadio Azteca. No goals in the game. It was a pretty good game, but in the end, uh, Pumas didn't need any goals. They advanced 2-1 thanks to their 2-1 victory at home in the first leg. So when will the final be played then? Okay, first leg set for April 27th at the Estadio Olimpico in Mexico City. The second leg, May 4th at Lumen Field in Seattle. Oh, baby, we got the dream matchup. MLS versus Liga Mekis in the CCL final. Hurt. Does this Sounders team then represent the best ever chance for MLS to finally win this competition? Given the circumstances? No, not even given the circumstances. We're talking about the best Major League Soccer team over the last decade. Yes, it does represent the best opportunity Major League Soccer has at winning this competition. Not only because they are the best, but given the circumstances of where Pumas is actually today. This is the first time... In a final, in a CONCACAF Champions League final, where the Major League Soccer team, on paper, should be considered the favorites. They are considered the favorites. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's what it is. The Seattle Sounders are the favorites in this matchup because, quite frankly, they're a better franchise, they're a better team, they have better players today. But all that goes out the window because we've said that how many times of every single team that's played against Pumas. But it's a dream matchup. It's a very tasty matchup. The last team to let the last Mexican team to let a foreign club win this competition was Pumas when they mm. lost to Saprissa. Yes. It was a CONCACAF Champions Cup way back then, but... Uh, oh, but that's we what DC United won. Does that not count anymore? No, no, no. When DC United won it, let me <laughs> it tell you, buddy, counted. it counted. It counted big time. Uh, I got to agree with you. Absolutely, this is the best chance. One, I think we got to acknowledge how well Seattle is playing uh, in this competition, right? Their, their, their series have not really been close. You go back to the round of 16 against Motagua, it's it's a route. They win that yep. second leg 5-0. Uh, yeah. Same against Leon in the quarterfinals. I mean, was that ever really in doubt? And I think you could say the same about the semifinals here against New York City FC. As far as the team is concerned, too, I don't want to get too far into the matchup with Pumas. Just if we're talking about Seattle, I think you can also make the case that 
um, based on the talent and really the concentration of international talent, Herc, that's why this Seattle team is, is best poised to finally get over the hump in this competition. If you go back to the early days of MLS, like the 90s, early 2000s, where there, there weren't a lot of teams in the league, you had concentrated talent. Chicago, L.A., D.C., you might have had 8, 9, 10 guys who were international players. Herc, go through the Seattle roster. I mean, just current internationals. I think you've got eight or nine. That's not counting guys like Nico Lodeiro, Freddy Montero, who have been internationals but maybe aren't representing their, their countries anymore. Yeah. If you count those guys, you've got like a dozen international quality players in Seattle. I don't think we've ever seen a team that deep in modern MLS. That's why I'm giving Seattle the edge here because forget Pumas. Just their quality. We, we've never seen it in this league. Yeah, for a second, let's, let's for a second forget Pumas because we'll, we'll get to them in a second. We'll give them their due. But Seattle, you talk about the international talent. Well, sometimes that international talent doesn't translate over to the league, to Major League Soccer. Uh, last season, uh, we were talking about, or I should go, actually two seasons ago, we we're talking about Jordan Lodeiro, uh, excuse me, and Nico Lodeiro being MVP candidates alongside Joao Paulo. You had three MVP candidates on a single team. They're still together. You have Christian Roldan playing MVP like football when the Seattle Sounders in this CONCACAF Champions League. You've got a Stefan Fry who's rolling back the clock. You saw the saves he made last night because I know coincidentally you were following because your book it. Uh, one more goal would have <laughs> done it for you. He wouldn't allow it. They've been as good as advertised. And Brian Schmetzer. Brian Schmetzer doesn't get the deserve or the credit he deserves. This is a man, since 2016, has taken the Seattle Sounders to a final every year but 2018. He's, I shouldn't say he. Garth Lagerwey, Adrian Hanauer, the people in Seattle have established mm. a culture, a culture that many Major League Soccer clubs wish they had, a winning culture. It goes beyond what you're seeing today. This is by far the best chance that Major League Soccer has. Yeah, and big picture, Herc, we've always said this. Like, if it was going to be anyone 10 years ago when you saw Seattle come into this league, you, you probably would have bet the Sounders, right? Like, if MLS has a, flag, a flagship organization, it is Seattle. Seattle should probably be the one. Real quick, real quick, let me ask you this, because you're saying they're favorites. How important is it that the second leg is in Seattle when you say the Sounders are favorites? Immensely important, because... Mexico has been the boogeyman, and playing in Mexico has been the deciding factor in a majority of these legs. And if we've seen the Seattle Sanders, how they play in Lumen Field, I mean, you talk about 5-0-4-0-3-1, every single one of those games could have been a seven-goal game for the Seattle Sounders. So it's going to be massive because in Mexico, the Mexican teams, uh, they make themselves respected. Yeah. Just ask Chelsea and Real Madrid, right? You, you know, Real Madrid was very happy to have those last 30 minutes there at the Santiago Bernabeu and not at Stamford Bridge. What about the other side of the final, Herc? Uh, Pumas, they advance without goals in the second leg, but thanks yeah. to a 2-1 victory in the first leg. And I think it's interesting when we talk about this Pumas team because there's always like a but, right? Like, right. they're good, but. Yeah. So I think they can be both of these things, but I want to hear from you which one they're more. Are they, are they more lucky overachievers or are they actually really, really good? Are, are they very underrated? They're very underrated, but let me tell you why they're individually overachievers and collectively underrated, okay? Because if we go down the roster, I'm just going to name off a few players. Arturo Ortiz, 
He's a journeyman center back who's a pivotal player in this team. Friday, he wasn't even a big prospect coming out of Argentina. Uh, then you have Velarde, El Chispa Velarde, he's in his mid-30s, he was there when they won in 2004, it's rolling back the clock. Then you have Meritao, he was in the fourth division of Brazil. Sebastian Saucedo, Bofo Saucedo, very good player in Major League Soccer, he's on the come up, he wasn't by any means a world burner, he wasn't by any means setting Major League Soccer ablaze. Fabio Alvarez, yes, that Fabio Alvarez, he was a French player for the Galaxy. Then you have Rogerio, who was in second division in Brazil. Jorge Ruvalcalva, who was playing high school soccer in Southern California literally like 18 months ago. It's insane to me that this Pumas team punches so far above their weight collectively. And it's because of Andres Lilini. This guy who was the academy director. He was in charge of the academy. Do not forget how he was put into power. Michel, the head coach of Fumas, days, days before the season starts, says, peace out, I'm gone. I want nothing to do with this, I gotta leave. Leaves Andres Lilini as the interim in charge and they go on this crazy run. And he has these players who individually, respectfully, are nobody in Mexican football or were nobody prior to coming to Mexican football, has them playing at a level that's insane. Pumas es un grande, Pumas is one of the bigger clubs, but they are financially ruined that these players are all on free transfers or loans. They don't have high salaries. And they're gonna play in their second final now under Andres Lilini. They already have a league final and they have this final now. They've had some big matches together, big comebacks together. This is a team that maybe individually has overachieved, but collectively we keep underestimating. Yeah, I think I think overachieving is probably more accurate here. I'm looking at what they've done in the CONCACAF Champions League. Look. They needed basically a miracle to get to the semifinals, right? When you go down 3 nothing in the first leg and you come back, you deserve a lot of credit. But hey, something, something catastrophic happened to the other team for you to get through. Mm. And if you want to go back to the round of 16 against Saprissa, if you look at the aggregate, you say, oh, they breeze past here, right? 6-3. No, no, no. You go back to that second leg with 15 minutes left in yeah, that yeah. second leg. It was, it was even. It was 3-3. Now, Pumas pours on three goals in the last quarter hour, and they go through quite comfortably in the end. Uh, but this isn't a Pumas team that's dominating either in CCL or, let's be honest, in Liga MX. So right now they're 10th, which is bang average, right? Actually, lower than half the table. Season before, they were, what, 11th? Well, Again, bang they were average. Worse. They were worse as well, Seth. Remember, they made it, went on a run the season before. Like, they barely got into Repechaje. They barely got into that playoff. They went on a huge run. But that's what's scary about this team, team uh, Seb, and, and you know this, like, they could get this insane confidence. They were down 4-0 to Cruz Azul, the same group, and 4-4. They turned it around and went on to the final versus Leon. Yeah, Maybe overachievers individually, maybe overachievers domestically, but in these knockout situations, you mentioned, they make it to, they make it to a final in 2020. It, last year, last year, they tied Atlas. Eh? They beat Atlas and Atlas in the second leg. It just wasn't enough. They go out on table, right? On being behind Atlas in the table. So we know that in knockout competitions, they are underrated. They are underappreciated and they should be respected in the final. We've talked about the two teams that had good midweeks. We got to talk about the losers as well, Her, because somebody's got to go out in the semifinals. Cruz Azul and New York City FC both doing that. For you, who was the bigger letdown? Who was the bigger fracaso between the two? Well, most people see this on paper, they're going to say, how, how is it not Cruz Azul? Cruz Azul is a storied franchise, Cruz Azul is everything, but it's got to be New York City FC. Let me tell you why. Uh, Cruz Azul had four big players injured, huge players to, mm. to, their, to their dreams, to their aspirations. This tournament injured, they're out, and, and pretty much playing against this high-flying Pumas. You saw the right in the wall. We're talking about City, New York City FC, 
The reigning MLS champs, and not just this game, the whole tournament, the way they scraped through in Guatemala, how embarrassing that was. Uh, the, the, the way they got embarrassed uh, in Seattle, because that could have been way more than a 3-0 game or 3-1 game. This game, when everything's on the line, I actually thought they were playing well. When they were playing at their best, it's rivalry Diaz and that goal that kind of turns things around. But it's how underwhelming they've been. To start off this campaign, the Major League Soccer season, what we expected of them, Tati Castellanos, this high-flying team, they've not been what I expected. Yeah, if you go off performance, uh, I, can, I can agree with you a little bit in New York City FC, right? If we combine the CCL and the MLS performance, the beginning of the season has been a huge letdown, as you say, for the defending champs. But I'm going here off expectations, right? Because one, let's be honest, did you think New York City FC was going to beat Seattle? I didn't no. think they were going to beat Portland or New okay. England. Or right. Philly, and they did, and they're the reigning Major League Soccer champions. But but you would have said Seattle were the favorites over New York City FC. You would not have said that Pumas were a favorite over Cruz Azul. I know that because you've said throughout here that Cruz mm -hmm. Azul are the favorites, not just over Pumas, but in this entire tournament, right? So for me, it's like I don't know when I look at those expectations, and yeah, I think it's a much bigger letdown uh, for Pumas. You talked about all the injuries, specifically Charlie Rodriguez, because that's the the latest injury, and I feel like the biggest. How much did they miss him in that second leg against Pumas? Well, he's huge because he's got six goal contrib contributions. You know, uh, three himself, three assists. He's a player that connects on both ends. He's also a player that has leadership qualities. Uh, but I can't just focus on Charlie. I mean, Jesus Corona. For as old as he is, Jurado in goal was shaky. Escobar, he's one of their leading goal scorers, and, and he's a center back, right back. Uh, he was important. It's just so many different players down the spine that were missing. I, I think anybody who saw the way that Pumas was playing probably saw the writing on the wall. All right, there you have it. All right, we got uh, more Liga Mekis on your ESPN screens coming at you this weekend. Ooh, Friday. Look at this matchup. Cholos America. Uh, Friday, that's 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Starts 7 p.m. Pacific. You can watch it on ESPN Plus or on ESPN Deportes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Marcelo Michel Leaño, Chivas' highly criticized manager, is out. Chivas making the news official on Thursday, hours after Leaño's squad lost 3-1 at home to Monterrey. We heard Fuera Leaño ringing throughout the stadium. Ricardo Cadena, who's in charge of the affiliate team, will take over as interim for a team that right now is 14th in the Liga MX table. Herc, perhaps it was fitting that Leaño's last game came against Monterrey. And of course, Victor Manuel Bucetich, not just the man he replaced, but the man that many claim Leaño helped run out of town with the help of his owner friend, Amaury Vergara. Speaking of ownership, and everybody, let's play an edition of the blame game as the crisis at Chivas worsens. Herc, who is most responsible for the latest debacle that we saw in Guadalajara? 
Uh, this is a dumpster fire, by the way. That 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 official release was like community manager doing a home video. That's how they released that they let go of Michelle Leano. It just goes to show you how one of the most important brands in all of Latin American football is going to waste under the uh, I'm, I'm out of Vergara, which is I'm going to get to. This is the blame game. It's I'm out of Vergara. Uh, who's to blame for the form of Chivas? It's I'm out of Vergara. But you're going to say, what does the owner have to do with this? He doesn't kick a ball. He doesn't do that. He doesn't try to tackle. He doesn't try to score a goal. Amara Vergara delegates, right? The owner delegates. You delegate a sporting director, Ricardo Pelayas, okay, de who delegates a coach, who picks the players, and those players and the formations, etc., etc. Well, this owner, who knows very little about football, decides he wants to put Ricardo Pelayas in a sporting director, but doesn't allow Ricardo Pelayas to do his actual job. He steps in and says, Forget about this guy that you're looking at, okay? Because it was Turco Mohamed, and then it was uh, Mascherano as well. Mascherano, that Mascherano, yes, he wanted to bring him in. No, I want my friend, I want Michel Leaño, put him in. And Ricardo Pelaez, hands behind his back, has to do as he's told. Now it's Michel Leaño as the head coach. First time as a head coach in first division, first time with a team of this magnitude, runs him into the ground. It's Ricardo Pelaez not being able to do what he needs to do. It's Michel Leaño not being able to do because he's not capacitated to do it, because he doesn't have the requisites to do it. It's Amari Vergara driving his team into the ground for pride, because he wants to be like his father, because he wants to prove something, but he's... Got zero, zero knowledge when it comes to the game of football. We could say it's very easy to blame the footballers, the players. But Amari Vergara hasn't done anything to convince very good Mexican footballers, because Chivas does not have very good Mexican footballers or the best Mexican footballers, to come play for Chivas. He hasn't given them that superstar. He hasn't given them that superstar, a, a, broad, a bond, excuse me, a broad uh, in what is outside of Liga Mex or within Liga Mex. It's Amari Vergara. Hmm. On the last show, Herc, I did mention Amari Vergara, right? I said, hey, when, when there's a rot, you usually got to look at your leadership. You got to look at the very top. So I'm not going to sit here and say that he's, he's blame-free, but I think you've conveniently shifted away from Pelaez, right? Because this is a guy who, when he arrived at Chivas, had a lot of goodwill. A lot of people thought, hey, this is one of the, the brightest minds in Mexican soccer based off what he did at Club America and, and maybe less at Cruz Azul. He's, he's not been able to really achieve much. What, there's one playoff appearance during his time there. He's fired three different managers now. Of course, Leaño, you know, maybe wasn't his guy, but still, there's not really a track record for him. And I don't think we can also let Leaño off here. Huh? This is a guy who said a lot. Vamos a callar bocas, right? Did he really, did he really need to be that extreme? Did he really need to, to go all in on that? I mean, I, I feel like this is a guy who spoke before the results were there. And, and I feel like you look at this team, Chivas, and even, even in the game last night, right? What, what are the things that we point out and we say, hey, these are issues of a manager, okay? Goals that happen late, either late in the game or late in the half. Against Monterrey, Chivas is up, maybe luckily, one nothing in stoppage time of the first half. And what happens? They give up a goal. It's 1-1. Totally changes the game. And how do they give up the goal? Set pieces. Oh, hey, remind me. What, what was the disaster under Vucetich? What was one of the reasons they ran Vucetich out? Ah, because Chivas were, were eating goals from dead balls. Did it, did it change under Leaño? Did, it, did, it, did they fix that problem? No, uh, not really. But to your point about Vergara, because I think we saw last night some evidence of real problems at Chivas that have nothing to do with on-the-field stuff. If we go to, to the images that you saw in the stadium, forget about the chance of Fuera Leaño. Late in this game, there, there's a section of the Chivas fan base which just weaponizes the homophobic chant that we've been talking about for what feels like years now, maybe it's only been months, but years now on Football Americas, 
to show their frustration and eventually like force the ref to basically abandon the match. So you can look at Chivas and say it's a dumpster fire on the field. I don't know what's worse than a dumpster fire, Hurt, but off the field, I think it is worse than a dumpster fire. I think that does have to do with Vergara. You can see there 10 people were, were tossed out of the stadium, but I have to think, Hurt, that this is going to have repercussions for Chivas and it, it probably this season in terms of empty stadiums for them at home. It should. Whether that'll happen or not in Liga Mekis, I do not know. But it should, Seb. And this does boil down to Amari Vergara. It boils down to the image that Chivas is giving around the world today. Yeah. Uh, we will wait a wait word from Liga Mekis if there will be a punishment. But uh, given all that we've seen, and also remember, Mikel Arriola said that the chant was under control domestically in Liga Mekis. Well, uh, we see it rear did its that. ugly head there again. All right, speaking of Chivas. Have you been paying attention to what's happening in San Jose? The Quakes winless so far this season, and Matias Almeida, Herc, is not very happy about it. <laughs> Last weekend, he skipped the team's post-game press conference, and then on Wednesday, yesterday, he passed on the club's midweek media availability. So uh, we are definitely, as we've said before on this show, heading towards a divorce. Herc, who looks worse right now in these divorce proceedings, the Quakes or Matias Almeida? Uh, ironically, I think it's the wait Quakes. A sec, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. Yeah. Can you answer this question without using Chris Wondolowski, Jesse Fiorinelli, or the term wasting a generational talent? Sure. you always do that when we talk about San Jose. Sure. Okay. You ready? Yep. Yeah, it's the Quakes. It's John Fisher. John Fisher, who owns the Oakland A's. John Fisher, who owns the San Jose Earthquakes. John Fisher, whose parents were the founders of Gap. Yeah, that Gap. It's John Fisher, who doesn't care whether this team loses or this team wins. It's John Fisher who had a conversation with the Matias Almeida and promised certain things. The San Jose ownership who promised certain things and they weren't fulfilled. And then promised he could leave at the, whenever he wanted to. And that's not fulfilled as well. And it's Matias Almeida having to embarrass himself to embarrass the Quakes. It's mm. Matias Almeida having to throw out second backhanded comments about, look what this manager has. How nice must that be? He's got Hector Herrera. They're investing in this team. That must be nice. And then having to go out every week and play with what he has. This is insane to me. Why have a professional team? Why have a representation of a city if you're not going to cater to it? If you're not going to try to nourish this team if you're not going to try to have them win forget about those names you just mentioned because that's in the past the best part of the san jose earthquakes are in the past okay if you're a fan you should be so disillusioned you should be so angry with this team don't give them your money don't go to the game don't buy tickets don't buy merchandising what can we do do that because this looks a hell of a lot worse than matias almeida saying you know what go ahead and find me He's doing what Marshawn Lynch didn't do. Go ahead and find me. I will pay the fine for not being there. Quakes are not innocent uh, in this, but I don't think Matias Almeida's innocent either. When I think about this situation, it reminds me of Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho, guys who you sensed at a moment were trying to get fired. And I feel like that's what Almeida's doing here, right? He's trying to make this as ugly and uncomfortable as possible to get fired, get his payout, and move on to what's next for him. And I get it. I get it. If you step away from a job, getting your payout is, is much more difficult. But if you want to leave, Matias Almeida, just leave. At this point, you are only hurting your own stock, right? Again, you talk about Pelaez and how his stock has dropped. Is he? Oh, please, yes. I think Matias Almeida's stock is... You think he's going to struggle to find a job? He's going to really struggle to find a job? 
I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If anybody looks at his San Jose record, they're going to say, yeah, this uh, guy, I, I don't know. Okay. Less than less than 33% games you won. Really he made the playoffs. You really think is going to struggle to find a job? In MLS, in MLS, he made the playoffs once, and he did that in 2020, which was a throwout year. Never finished higher than eighth in the conference. Even when they made the playoffs, they didn't have a winning record. Like there's, And by the way, Herc, Things are only getting worse for the Quakes under Almeida. So I, I wonder He's where like, right all this goodwill... Pocket. I wonder where all this goodwill that you're talking about with Almeida, that he's, he's innocent in all this, is. You have to look at his track you record. And right did now, you, hear me say you he's said innocent? it off the top. You, you said who said, looks worse. Yeah, and you said he's embarrassing himself. Okay, who looks worse? If you're the owner of a team, what looks worse than having a team just to have it? Because there's no pro rel, so what, whatever happens, happens. I'm still going to have it here. You can't sit here with a straight face and tell me mm. Matias Almeida is going to have a problem finding a job. Seb, they just fired the head coach of Chivas de Guadalajara last mm. night, maybe this morning, and Matias Almeida has already been the number one trending topic when it comes to Chivas. Do not tell me this man is going to struggle to find a job. So, you say that, and we'll get there in a second, but, <laughs> but I do not think, Herc, Eh, que? Que me estas diciendo? Ahí voy! Herc, is Chivas a better job than the Quakes? Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. It's a much bigger job than the Quakes. It's a much better job than the Quakes. You know when, you know when the last time that Chivas was competitive? When the keys to the kingdom were Matias Almeida. When Matias Almeida got to choose at a field level and at an administrative level what happened with the players and their contracts. That's when they were better. He won five titles at Chivas. A Chivas team that, mind you, sometimes wasn't very good. Sometimes had play like the San Jose Earthquakes. Sometimes we're a mid-level team, but they won five titles, Seb. They brought this illusion, this dream. They brought the, the hope back to the people of, of Jalisco, the people of Guadalajara. I shouldn't just sit limited to that because there's people all over, all over the United States and Mexico who are Chivas fans. It's such a huge brand. The last time it was relevant, it was tied to Matias Almeida. And yes, it is a much bigger job than San Jose. Yes. Bigger job. Yes. I, I don't know how much better it is. Um, obviously, mm. there's a little bit. Uh, it's better. It's better on your resume, Herc, of course. But we just we just slam Chivas for 30 minutes on field. The team is terrible. The field, the field at their stadium is terrible. Supposedly going to host a World be, Cup Seb? game what would in you 2026. What would you rather be, Seb, if you're if you're a coach? I'd rather be in MLS than in Chivas, but I'd rather be at Chivas in San Jose. San Jose is a disaster. Man. I, I can't argue that with you. I can't argue that with you. San Jose will not be, will not be in the next edition of the League's Cup, which, by the way, the actual next edition of the League's Cup is going to be 2023. But we're going to have a, a condensed League's Cup this year. We're calling it a showcase. All right, it's going to go down in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, the first ever soccer event at SoFi. Matchup sexy, L.A. Galaxy against Chivas, LAFC against Club America. Both games going to be played on August 3rd. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The matchups around Major League Soccer are getting better and better. And we got a huge one coming up this weekend 
on ESPN Plus. Chicago Fire and the LA Galaxy from Soldier Field. Two of the teams with the most history in MLS, Herc, but also two of the teams with some of the biggest names in Major League Soccer. And they join us now here on Football Americas, none other than Javier Hernandez of the LA Galaxy and Jerdan Shakir of the Chicago Fire. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thank you, man. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So great to have you guys with us. Uh, both of you have come to MLS kind of from the highest of highs, right? At the top levels of European football. So I want to get your perspective on that transition. Javier, you've been here a little bit longer, so maybe we'll start with you. What's the biggest difference when you go from European football to life as a Major League Soccer player? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the cultural aspect that, it, that is never easy, you know? Uh, even though, uh, yeah, USA is neighbors from my country and we have a lot of Mexican people living over here, you know, but I think it's a, it's a typical transition of from one league to another league and I think something that, that uh, even Sheridan is, is, is realizing, you know, that this league is way better than we think it is actually when, when you see it from the outside, you know, I think that's that's something that, that, that like thrive me and make me take this decision to come here to to keep improving this league and try to to not only with my performances inside the pitch as well outside the pitch that that this league is is very underrated kind of stuff you know because you can see some good actions and you can criticize sometimes the defending side and all of that stuff that that is true this league it's like 26 uh, old you know but i mean but the way that people see this league it's 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 way like harder is way in like more intense and more physical and more hard, you know, to play over here and, and, and try to, to score goals or try to win games and try to be a champion. Jardan, how about you? Uh, what are the similar differences that you've seen? Javier touched on maybe some people not giving Major League Soccer its credit and him coming in realizing maybe it's a little more difficult than he thought. No, I'm, I'm with him still, you know, uh, when I came first, uh, a lot of people, for example, in Switzerland said, hey, why is he going there, you know, because of the league. Um, because the World Cup is coming up, and uh, yeah, in Europe they they totally see different uh, the MLS. And uh, when I came first, I saw it straight away how professional uh, the clubs working, um, and the young the youngster really here they are coming now. You see a lot of youngster from America going to Europe, and that that you see that uh, the league is coming every year. The teams are investing in, in, in top players and uh, yeah, the league is getting better every year and the football, of course, um, as we know, a lot of Latin players, a lot of um, technique uh, in, in this league and uh, as I, when I, when I, when I play my first game, I saw how athlete, athletic is the game and of course, it's still a bit very wild, but um, and maybe not so tactical like in Europe, but I think the league is coming and is getting every year better and better. So, um, um, yeah, um, I enjoy really to play here. Uh, we mentioned you guys when you arrived at MLS, you did come from the highest levels. Both of you have played Champions League, played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. Champions League, of course, into the semifinals now. A couple of your former employers are still involved. Liverpool gets Villarreal, Gerdan. I wonder what you think of that and how Liverpool is playing right now. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that they go through, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these games too. Um, gonna be really exciting games, but I, I need to say, Villarreal, uh, I, I watched the game against Bayern Munich, they play very good, and as we know, Una Emery uh, is, a, is, a, is a really good coach, and he knows exactly what to do against this team, so it's gonna be a really challenge for Liverpool to, to go through the final, and as we know, when you are in the semi-final in the Champions League, there is no... Uh, there is everybody are same and uh, they are all top teams so um, i'm really happy also vrl um, is doing very well and uh, yeah i hope they can con they can continue still but they need also really really two very very good games to to yeah to to compete against with the best but also to beat uh, liverpool because we know liverpool with the experience um they have in the champions league uh, especially um they know exactly what to do and they, they know their work so um it's gonna be a tough games for them too teach we gotta talk about real madrid uh, your real is gonna play against manchester city perhaps manchester city it'd be very easy for people to say the way the city's playing that maybe real don't have enough but they've already limited psg and they took out the champions of europe right now give me your thoughts heading into this big game no i think like like sharon said it you know i mean when when you are in even even when you start the round of 16 in the Champions League, like everything could happen. Even though that is two two games leg, uh, two two games per 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 leg, uh, I think every every single team have the same chances. You know, it does play in some way. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you have a history. It doesn't matter if you have won so many Champions League or not. You can see like Villarreal uh, knock out uh, Bayern Munich. You know, and so. And then now it's going to be so interesting to see how Real Madrid is going to face Manchester City. I think it's going to be a very attractive game, like like the other one that Sheldon was talking about it. And obviously, I want Real Madrid to go over there, but you never know. You know, you never know. Over there, when you are uh, in semi-finals, the four best teams around the world have the same chances and have the same possibilities to go through to a final. And then, you know, surprises could happen. Probably not, but I mean. That's the beauty of Champions League, you know, that any team could, could win it uh, when, when you get to those stages. All right, enough about Champions League, guys. It's a World Cup year. Jerdem, uh, I know you're, you're watching the draw. When the Switzerland draw comes out, you must have thought you were back in 2018, right? It's, it's Brazil again. Uh, it's Serbia. It's Cameroon. When you, when you saw that draw, what did you think? Man, I was, I was laughing because I thought, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the same draw or something, but um, no, it was it was I was obviously a surprise first, uh, but in the end, again, a really good group, strong group uh, with Cameroon, another uh, African team who I never played against, so um, it's gonna be interesting to play to play against them too. But uh, I said it before too, so um, of course uh, we have the experience now and we have young, good team and. Uh, we are looking forward to go through, but of course, with Brazil, we have the favorite in this group. And uh, for the second place, we're going to fight uh, with three teams, I think. Chich, we got to talk about Mexico's World Cup draw. Why is it always Argentina? Argentina, again, for Mexico, it seems to be a formidable opponent for anybody, but they've got history with Mexico. Give me your thoughts heading into this group and specifically on Lionel Messi's Argentina. That's, I believe, it's 31 games unbeaten right now. Yeah, I mean, he's the, they're the favorite of the group, but don't get me wrong, you know, last last uh, last World Cup happens the same, speaking about Germany, you know, and then 
we went through and Germany went out of the group stages, you know, we was Sweden and, and ourselves that people was uh, putting Germany and even South Korea sometimes in front of us. So I think in a World Cup as well, speaking about Champions League, speaking about World Cups, any, any team, any team have, have chances, they always have surprises, they always have like teams that you underestimate them and then they go through and then the other teams as well that are like 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 the most powerful on, on around the world historically speaking and then they go through and they can have a good world cup you know and the, the rivalry between argentina and mexico you know through copa america through world cups how interesting it is and i think uh, mexico has a very nice opportunity to to again like like face and challenge themselves uh, against the best uh, one of the best uh, national team around the world and, and one of the best players around the, the world and the, and the history of, of soccer of football guys let's bring it back to mls because we've got just about 48 hours until this game between your two teams uh, at soldier field jerdan tell me a little bit about what's going on with chicago right now obviously difficult seasons in the past but things are looking good this year you've lost just once so far yeah, no, we had the best start like since nine years, so it was a really good uh, start and uh, yeah, I'm really positive at the moment. And uh, obviously we lost last weekend, but uh, this is pretty normal in our way in the season early. Um, but we start very well, we are happy, but we need to work on still and uh, yeah, we want to go uh, to the playoffs this year. This is our first uh, target and for that you need to win games, you need to, to perform and uh, yeah, we are working hard every day uh, with our team who is still also very young and uh, yeah, but I can see uh, the, the guys, they are working hard and uh, they want to, to be successful and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward. There's uh, still a long season ahead. And there is many games to play, but it was important to start good, and uh, we had to go start. Cheech, yeah, you're personally on fire leading the league in goals, and the Galaxy is retomando ese nivel. They're getting back to where they used to be, they're winning ways. But you're going to face a Chicago team that's only let in two goals all year. They're a very well-disciplined team. Uh, what's the mindset for you going into a game like that? I mean, same as all of them, that we always respect the, the team that are going to face, and we don't expect that they're going to be in their best day. So that's the way that we need to face every single match and obviously like like, like you said and you know, in the way that they that they are defending that the way that they are playing as well and then with the with the talent of of of, of most of the of their players in the in the front side is going to be very complicated but i think it's going to be a very good match when to travel to to play against one of the east conference a long travel you know different situation comparing the last two years that we didn't travel that much you know we couldn't we couldn't go so, so it's it's good to go and play in a very nice stadium that is very familiar for myself and and my past playing over there with with Chivas in in in, in, in friendly games and as well with the national team in some tournaments and some friendly so it's a nice stadium it's going to be against a very good uh, team and I think it's going to be a very interesting match you know because both of us need the, the, the three points and obviously we are the, the away team over there, and we want to try to, to, to grab the three points out of them. All right, guys, we got way too many goals on this panel to just leave it at that. So uh, we have to show you guys some of our favorite goals from your career and then maybe get some judgment. Javier, I'm going to start with a couple goals of Jerdan's, okay? And you got to pick okay. which of these two goals you think is the best, all right? Uh, now, I think well, this might be easy because one of them is against Manchester United. This is the ICC, Liverpool against Man United. <laughs> 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 oh, it's going to be tough to beat that. It's going to be tough to beat that. Yeah, uh, that's the ICC. Tough. Herc, you ever do a bicycle? <laughs> not like that. Mine came out more like tricycles, not like Jerdan. That was a, that's a sweet goal. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's one of more Here's two of two. Oh, these, but look. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Chichero, which one's better? 
I mean this one because this is one of the importance of the tournament, you know, and against and against Poland and uh, look even even himself how he was celebrating, you know. <laughs> look at him. I remember Whoa. this goal pretty really well. So I think I, th I think this <laughs> goal, this goal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Bicycle kick from outside don't, the don't box. Don't show, don't show any of my goals, please. Ah. Like that. Ah. 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 outside the box. A ver, a ver. Yeah. Oh. A ver left foot, Chicha, left foot. Oh. Wow, man. You know what happened over there? Wow. I wanted to kick it outside to, to make time. And <laughs> or you wanted to cross, probably. I don't know, man. Of course. Jerdan, Jerdan, that's his, that's his left foot. Oh, man. Unbelievable, man. Ah, this is typical Chicha goal. Head. <laughs> typical Chicha goal. No, they have this the nose. The stroke, right? They have the nose in the box. You know what to spend. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm like a shark in the box, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> Whatever I can, I'll go and eat it, you know? Yeah. A shark in the box uh, and bicycles from outside the box. Uh, here's here's some more goals. This is from the rivalry, right? So this is Galaxy. This is David Ooh. Beckham from outside the area against against yeah. Portland. Don't worry, we'll get a I'm Chicago gonna... goal in there for you as well. What do you think about that, Cheech? Bend like Beckham. Wow. <laughs> man, amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And the celebration even better, look. Uh, and Ooh, how about Temok. this from Cuauhtémoc? Ah, Ooh. wow. <laughs> With wow. the left foot. Uh, right foot, left foot, right, his back, whatever you want. Ah, Gerdan, which one's better? Blanco. Blanco, man, look for... Uh, I'll give it to Blanco, yeah, yeah. Oh, I need... To, I, I like light foot goals, you know, that's why, man. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, and we... We got the video to prove it. All right, Jerdan, uh, Javier, thanks so much for your time. Good luck this weekend. We hope to see you soon here on Football Americas. Thank, Thank you, guys. You guys Thank and you. I'll see you. I'll see you there. Can't wait for that matchup. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can watch it right here on ESPN+. Jerdan Shakiri in the Chicago Fire against Chicharito and the L.A. Galaxy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of Chicharito, his five goals, of course, leads Major League Soccer. It still hasn't led, though, to a callback into the Mexican national team. Last week, Jan de Luisa, the Mexican Federation president, was explaining why. This time, it's not the Federation president. Oh, no. It's the Mexican national team manager himself, Tata Martino. Let's hear it. Javier Hernández no está porque el entrenador de turno no lo ha elegido en estos últimos dos años y algo, tres años. Eh, pero al dicho esto, quiero decir que no hay nada que yo tenga que compartir con los medios. Toda cuestión este, que sucede dentro de, este, del ámbito de la selección nacional se resuelve dentro del ámbito de selección nacional. Okay, Herc, you wanted it from the manager himself. Are you cool with Tata's explanation as to why Chicharito is not with El Tri? 
I'm finally cool with it because at least he's not giving us the runaround. At least he's not trying to make us believe it's a sporting decision. Like he's been saying, it's a sporting decision. At least they're not trying to make us believe it has nothing to do with what is going on in the field. Uh, it's John DeLuisa packing the buck. It was uh, Martino passing the buck. Finally, they're saying, you know what? I have not called him, and that's why he's not here. Internal matters will be dealt with internally. So I'm cool with that. But are we to believe that Mexico has the luxury of leaving quality players out of the World Cup? Quality goal scorers out of the World Cup? And the worst part about this is, Every time Chicharito bangs in a goal, guess who it gets worse for? Not only Tata Martino, but mm -hmm. the guys he's trying to protect. Raul Jimenez, Henry Martin, uh, Rogelio Funes Mori, whoever may be the nine or the forward in this case, even Tecatito Corona and Chucky Lozano, you're not protecting them because it's harping on negativity. It's magnifying these, uh, these things going on with them. I'm interested to, to, I feel like you felt you got clarity out of Tata Martino's answer. I, I don't no. really think I got the clarity that, that I was looking for from an explanation. Like, I got okay, a little ownership. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like, yes, he took ownership. That's right. Yeah, at least he said, hey, it's me. Uh, it's me. But like, if it's, if it's form, you know, you got to say it. But even if it's extracurricular, for, for a player of Chicharito's magnitude, I, I do feel we are owed an explanation. And that's the other thing that I'm not cool with about this. Uh, Tata Martino's not, not coaching a club team, okay? Mm -hmm. He's not coaching Newell's Old Boys, which maybe he could say was his, okay? He's coaching the Mexican national team. It belongs to the people, to the public. And when you take Chicharito out for this long and he's scoring goals, I'm sorry, you do owe an external explanation. You may not own an external explanation to the press, to the public at every turn, but I think for this you do. And I think, I think that is his biggest error here. There's, there's an arrogance when I hear Tata Martino talk that I don't like. There is an arrogance, and I will repeat, it's only hurting the players. I've got one guy on my shirt right now. That's uh, Paco Memo right there, Memo Ochoa right there. Uh, there's this crazy report, because there have been outlets who have reported that it's Memo Ochoa and Andres Guardado that are keeping that are keeping uh, Javier Hernandez from the national team. You're doing these players a disservice by not just saying what it is. Because as long as that's going on, we're not focusing on what's going on in the field. We're focusing on the circus that you're creating. Chicharito, to his credit, of course, you know he was asked to respond. He said, if I didn't want to be on the national team, I would have retired. The same thing he's always said, but he's sticking to his guns. And I'll give, you, I'll give him some credit here. Uh, between these two, no doubt about who's, who's looking cleaner, who's looking better right now. Chicharito uh, saying all the right things. Tata Martino, not so much. Let's run it back, Herc. This is a USMNT eligible edition of Run It Back. All right, we're going to start with the young Mexican-American, Alex Alcala, 16-year-old playing for LA Galaxy's U-17s against Manchester United's U-17s at the GA Cup. And boy, slicing them up, Herc. You didn't say Mexican Youth International. You said U.S. Okay, I see where you're going with this. I said Mexican-American USMNT eligible. I'll get to the other details later. Okay, okay. Uh, my man's silky. He is smooth. He also plays for the LA Galaxy. And uh, our Tom Marshall did a report on him a few years back stating that uh, Manchester City has a buyout clause. When he turns 18, they can activate that. So keep an eye out there. Absolutely. He has represented Mexico at the U15 and U16 levels. Copa Sudamericana, Alan Sonora, 23-year-old, born in New Jersey. Boca Academy, Boca Juniors Academy product now with Independiente. Golazo with the left. Is that Diego Sonora's son? That man played in D.C., didn't he? For a minute, yes. Oh, right there. That, that, that's what you want to claim him now? Alan! Alan Sonora, what a golazo. Uh, Independiente won the game 2-0. 
From the Copa Sudamericana, we make the smooth transition to the UEFA Champions League. Christian Pulisic and Chelsea eliminated on Tuesday, despite beating Real Madrid, actually, 3-2 in Madrid. Real Madrid going through 5-4 on aggregate. Christian Pulisic did not start the match, but he did sub on Hurt in the 83rd minute, replacing Timo Werner. He played the final 37 minutes of the match, so last seven of regulation and the 30 minutes of extra time. Why don't we take a look at uh, Pulisic's performance over the two legs. Worth noting, he of course started the first leg and then came off the bench in the second. Her what do you think of Christian Pulisic's performance in the second leg against Real Madrid? Well, it wasn't good. It wasn't positive. It wasn't uh, the typical Christian Pulisic big game that he's has is accustomed to and it's not our opinion these are numbers uh, he happens i think what he tied javier hernandez for for uh knockout goals uh champions league knockout yeah yeah for concaf players uh, he, he's 23 years of age he's a player that has that uh, grand-esque feeling towards him when he plays in these big games but he didn't play well not just this leg but the last leg as well so those are two games he didn't play well and that's what it is but i feel like we're getting into this crazy territory anytime christian Pulisic comes up seb I, I, I'm literally at Disneyland and I'm watching what I can through my phone and I'm getting at whether that's Twitter, whether that's Instagram, whether that's whatever you may think, any other social media uh, handle. People, grown men are adding me about Christian Pulisic, how much he divides attention. He gets polemic all of a sudden. U.S. men's national team fans who are defending him at will. You've got every other CONCACAF nation attacking him at will. It's amazing the type of attention this man gets i mean yeah. he's 23 years old and he's already won a champions league and he's playing at this stage and he had a bad game he had two bad games yes but that's going to happen when you play at that level that's going to happen when you're 23 years old to me this is the normal growing pains of any player any player trying to find his footing in an elite level you say he divides opinion. I don't think he divides opinion between American fans, right? I feel like all American fans are watching him and they're, they're hoping he plays well and they're excited about it. I think where he divides opinion is in the reaction, not to Pulisic, but to the American fans, right? Because U.S. fans are very active on social media. They're going to be talking about Christian Pulisic. And I feel like everybody's almost waiting for him to do anything wrong, whether, whether you're a Mexico fan and you're prone not to like the U.S., or maybe you're, you're somebody who's, who's watching over in England and you see all these Americans talking about a guy who's a not a full-time starter yet in the Premier League. You say, all right, guys, take it easy. Still, I feel like the, the negative focus on Pulisic here is harsh. It does come down to the chance missed, though, right, Herc? I mean, that the, the chance that he yeah. has could, would, would have put Chelsea through. Yeah, was it a full chance or a half chance? Yeah. Was it a clean chance? So, so, so it, wasn't, it wasn't Azteca against Memo. It wasn't right. that clear. Right. Um, but I think, you know, given what you said, his, his A... You know, his history. Big game his history performance. Big game performances, yeah. I think, we could have expected. Actually, if I, if I took anything away from this game that was like a negative for Christian Pulisic, it's less about his performance and more about Timo Werner. Because I've always thought that Timo Werner is the guy who's the greatest threat to Christian Pulisic's well. playing time at Chelsea. And, and like a week or not a week, maybe a month ago, I was saying, man, Timo Werner, like the gap between him and Pulisic is huge. That's not the case anymore, certainly not, not in the mind of Thomas Tuchel. Werner started over the weekend. He had two goals against Southampton, this 6-0. He gets another start against Real Madrid. He scores a goal, and, and what Werner does is he offers something to Chelsea I don't think any other player on their team offers, which is that speed. Mobility. And when, 
and, and really the, what we always talk about, right? The, the ability to get in behind, to stretch a defense. And when you're the only guy on a team that does something, you got a leg up on everybody else. So uh, I'm worried in that regard for Pulisic. Not necessarily his performance, but my, oh my, Timo Werner's stock is shooting through the roof, and that's not going to be good for Pulisic's minutes. Well, it's Thomas Tuchel era, so that Timo Werner stock may be shooting through the roof, but it's going to come in a rotation like it has with Kai Havertz, like it has with Lukaku, like it has with Ziyech, like it has with Pulisic, like it has with Timo Werner. So I'm not too worried. What goes around comes around with Thomas Tuchel. Maybe we'll see some of that rotation this upcoming weekend, which, of course, is an FA Cup semifinal weekend. You can catch that right here on ESPN+. Now, everybody's talking about Saturday's game. Manchester City against Liverpool. Ah, a huge game Sunday as well. Chelsea against Crystal Palace. Coverage starts 11.25 a.m. Eastern time, and you can watch both those games right here on ESPN+. Some more news. Hurt Serginho Dest is back. Recovered from that hamstring injury. Played the last half hour for Barcelona Thursday in their Europa League match against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, that's the good news for U.S. fans. There's bad news for Barcelona fans. They lost at home and they are out, Herc. So no trophy, at least in the Europa League, for Serginho Dest. That was at home? A lot of German fans there. Ooh, and Xavi was not happy about it. And uh, production telling us that the third goal, entirely Serginho Dest's fault. They are putting it fully on his feet. As Damn you, Serginho! Why <laughs> didn't you save Barcelona? Coming that out stuck? as a sub. Not fuera de esta. Culpa de Dest. Todo culpa de Dest. Julie Foudy back with us here on Football Americas as the U.S. women's national team roll, and I mean roll comfortably past Uzbekistan in a couple friendlies over the last week. Julie, I want to start to break that down, but very first, I was online today. I saw the agenda for the ESPNW Summit. You are going to be very involved. I think we're going to have a tough time booking you that week, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully booked that week, Sebi. Yes. Uh, it's awesome. We do just a day version. Usually we do a, like a three-day version in California. But the New York City version, May 4th, if you guys want to go, check it out, um, is in Brooklyn at the One Hotel. And it's, it's gorgeous. And we do um, a, a lot of awesome panels. I get to talk with Jessica Berman, the NWSL commissioner, Eileen Gu, uh, a Chinese Olympian who grew up in America. It's a great story. Uh, her mother is Chinese, but she decided to compete for China. So, yeah, it's fun. And it's all, of course, female athletes. Uh, Elle Duncan, Sarah Spain, a lot of our talent there. Monica McNutt. So it's great. Uh, May 4th in New York City, the same night as the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League. That's right. Final. All right, Julie, let's get into these games. 18-1. to 1. Let me say that again. 
18 to 1 aggregate <laughs> over the two matches yeah. against Uzbekistan. Let's be real here. Did the U.S. get anything out of these games? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, Sebi, it's a very hard one to answer because, to your point, I mean, they are scoring at will. And Uzbekistan did not provide much uh, of a, a, an opposition, uh, an opponent. So uh, I would say they gained some confidence in chemistry, uh, but it's so hard to assess anything technically and tactically because, one, Uzbekistan in the first game was playing a really hard, high line um, and so Mal Pugh was getting in at will. Sophia Smith was getting in at will. Um, but to be fair to U.S. soccer, I will say that this is an incredibly hard time to schedule. They did have an Asian opponent who backed out last minute because when they go home, many countries in Asia require such a long quarantine. It wasn't feasible. They also uh, can't get any European teams. They were in their European qualifying window for the World Cup. They obviously have Euros around the corner. So to be fair, it is hard to schedule teams. But no, you don't get a lot out because you can't see what's happening with these players when they're under pressure, when they're having to fight through adversity. You just don't get that. Um, and especially for the back line and goalkeeping. I mean, literally, uh, Kingsbury didn't even touch the ball, I don't think, in the second game. The yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah. I for think the United if, States. I think if we go back to the last four games, this includes She Believes Cup, it's 28 to 1. Uh, that's the margin of victory for the U U.S. women's national team. How big of a concern is the lack of quality competition here? Because yeah. as you're not getting this quality competition, the rest of the world is very much so catching up. Yeah. And, and Herc, when you look at Europe, they're finishing out their World Cup qualifiers. So they're all playing really good teams um, because they're playing within UEFA. Then they have Euros in July Look at the United States. They're going to CONCACAF qualifiers. And yeah, they're having to do their World Cup qualifiers, but it's against teams that aren't nearly as competitive globally as you see in uh, in Europe. And so it is a problem. Czech Republic, you, uh, ch sorry, Czech Republic, Iceland, and New Zealand were your other three this year outside of Uzbekistan for 2022. That is not going to get the United States to the place they need to be. And maybe they don't need to be there this summer, Obviously, they're going to qualify for the World Cup, but you're thinking, gosh, if you want to win a World Cup, you want to win Olympics, you got, you have to start playing better competition. That's going to be the challenge for them going forward. Absolutely. All right, Julie. Uh, we were going to play stock up, stock down, but how can we really say stock down in this moment? I mean, 10 different goal scorers <laughs> over two games. So, I mean, who impressed you the most? Who improved their stock? I would say that front line, that front three. So Katarina Macario in the nine, Sophia Smith on one side, Mal Pugh on the other. They absolutely had their way with this team. Um, and when those three were in, and which is the point of these minutes and chemistry and confidence, is you can see it. There's a swagger to that front three that's growing and increasing with every game. And even though the competition wasn't that good, you can see how good and dynamic that group is and that three. And then you add in Rose Lavelle and Lindsey Horan or Ashley Sanchez in the second game behind them in that attacking midfield position. That front five for the United States is good, really good. So I am certain there are some players that are veterans and Kristen Press and Alex Morgan and others at home, Tobin Heath going, oof, I, you know, I got to up my game to get into this mix um, because they're looking really good, not just in the national team against Uzbekistan, but Mal Pugh leading the league right now in the Challenge Cup with four goals.
Julie, for me of those three, it's it's really Mallory Pugh. I mean, she was so good in these two games. She had a goal in each of the game. I think she had three assists in each game. You go back to that first game, she could have had six or seven assists in the 90 minutes that she played against yeah. Uzbekistan. I think we got to keep reminding people that a year ago, less than a year ago, this was a player that was left off the 18-player yep. roster for Tokyo. And then when they expanded it to 22... She still wasn't on the roster. And now we're not just talking about her you know, being in the yeah. team. I think even when you get all the stars back, uh, that's a player who could very, very likely find herself in the starting lineup. So Mallory Pugh really uh, having a good couple games there. Julie, we got the CONCACAF W Championships coming up in early July in Monterrey. We knew the U.S. and Canada were already going to be in. They automatically qualified. Now, though, we know the rest of the field. Here it is. Eight teams in this tournament. So U.S. and Canada are going to be joined by Mexico, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Panama, Haiti, and Trinidad and Tobago. Now, here's how it breaks down. The top four will get an automatic ticket to the World Cup. Now, that means if you got to finish in the top two in your group. We don't know the groups yet. But even the teams that finish fifth and sixth in this tournament will go into the playoff. Um, but, Julie, let's focus in on those four right. automatic berths. Who do you think is going to get the, the, the straightaway ticket to Australia 2023 out of CONCACAF? Well, the, the top three are pretty easy, uh, and that's been pretty consistent. USA, Canada, Mexico. That fourth position is the one that gets a little tricky, and I would say it goes between Costa Rica or Jamaica. I've actually, uh, I actually think it's going to go to Jamaica. They played to a tie at the end of 2021. Um, but you have a front line in Jamaica and Bunny Shaw, who plays for Man City. We saw what she did in the French League last year for Bordeaux, led the entire league in scoring. She could score at will. She's now at Man City. You have uh, Jody, uh, Jody Brown, who played at Florida State uh, and plays at Florida State, super dynamic, fast. And you have Tiffany Cameron, who was in the NWSL years past. But that front three for Jamaica is hard to keep down. So I think Jamaica gets that fourth spot. Costa Rica will go through in the playoff. Wow, should be a fascinating tournament there in Monterrey. Starts on July 4th, the CONCACAF W Championship. That's Julie Foudy. Julie, as always, thanks for joining us here on Football Americas. We'll see you soon. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Julie. One more thing before we get out of here, Herc. A parting shot. Jesse Marsh, who lost his first couple games with Leeds. Well, now he's won three of his last four. And in an interview with TalkSport, that's a UK radio outlet, Marsh had some very interesting thoughts on the methods of his predecessor, Marcelo Bielsa. Let's, let's hear it. The injury issue had a lot to me to do with the training methodologies. These players were overtrained, right? And it led to them being uh, physically, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, um, you know, in, in a difficult place to recover from week to week, from game to game. Jesse Marsh going all in on Bielsa. Herc, is it time for him to get lost, or are you think Marsh speaking the truth here? No, he's no, not get lost. He's speaking in the truth because we've seen Bielsa's track record with this team. We've seen the wear and tear of playing in that system. And also, right now, physically as damaged as Leeds has been with the injuries, mentally, it's also draining. You're in a relegation battle. If I'm a player right now on Leeds, I'm thinking like, the gaffer just went up to bat for me. He's telling me, it mm. wasn't you. You guys weren't this bad. You guys weren't the reason you were getting injured. You guys weren't the reason this team wasn't getting results. Maybe it was the methodology of the previous manager. Maybe you guys were right and you were being overworked. I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, things aren't that bad. They can get better. I think he's doing a little bit of mental coaching here as well. If I'm a player, that's a guy I want to go up for, to bat for. Remember when Jesse Marsh took the job? He was making Ted Lasso jokes. He was very deferential, certainly to the legacy 
of Bielsa. He's feeling himself now, right? He's got, got a nine-point cushion to the drop zone. He, as we mentioned, he's won three of four, and he's starting to, I think, you know, kind of say, hey, I don't have to take this stuff from everybody. I can speak my truth. Uh, and there we heard it. And hey, right now, you can't, can't say anything but good things about Jesse Marsh. He certainly has leads rolling in the right direction. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Monday. The road to Qatar continues. Sam Borden, a one-on-one -on -one sit-down with young Eunice Musa. Can't wait for that. Have yourselves a great weekend. And don't forget, Football Americas, as always, available for you in podcast form as well. He's Hurt. I'm Sebi. We'll see you on Monday. 30K already sold in Seattle, Seb.